Okay, so first of all, let's just uh, in general start with Budget 2023. Um, Mr. Sunny has not read it yet, so maybe I'll start with Han first. Uh, Han, at a surface glance, what is your general opinion on Budget 2023? Yay or nay? Budget 2023, wow, hot take. Um, if you want me to summarize in one sentence, then I can go deeper also. I'd say uh, incrementally, all right, pretty good. But really, for me, missed the chance, right, to to be truly transformative for this new government. So, uh, that's you know, uh, a summary statement lah on where I see this. There's some good, there's some really good parts in it, but really missed the chance, uh, to be truly transformative as a budget for Malaysia, right, and to really immigrate the the country, uh, both the people, the you know businesses as well as uh, you know our economic, um, situation. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess uh, we can't expect too much from our current government. No matter which government, we can't expect much. Uh, but okay, okay. I mean, you, you, you kind of said that it's not bad. It's fine. Definitely a few areas to improve on. Um, Mr. Sunny, what do you think? Your general opinion on uh, Budget 2023, yay or nay? Is it actually poor, mm. blah, blah, blah? Uh, what's, what's in between yay and nay? <laughs> <laughs> yay, I nay, think you're looking for okay yeah. lah. Okay lah, yes, correct. Yeah, in fact, it's 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 okay lah in 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 every sense. Um, like you correctly mentioned, uh, budgets are not easy. Budgets are, and it's also for eight months, right? The 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 budget for this year itself. Uh, we're already into February. By the time things get implemented itself, um, um, you know, we're already like, this was supposed to be in in October last year. Um, so it's 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 a shortened budget. Um, what I like about it is it gives us kind of like a, a overview of the government's thinking. I think, uh, meaning to say that um, they kind of targeted like everybody and everything. Um, everybody got a little bit of the pie. Of course, people will complain that a little bit is not enough. Um, but from the perspective of no one's left behind. Um, I think they've managed to do that. Um, so, so everybody gets a kind of a little bit, a bit, a bits and pieces of it. Um, what's also interesting is, and we 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 may talk about it later, is the fact that they went ahead with the um, taxing the 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 those with higher income, um, the sin taxes and such. Um, and so it's clearly. It's clearly basically trying to um, show the rakyat um, that we are in it together. Um, we dare to 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 tax the rich because you know sometimes um, uh, it goes contrary to to economic thinking and business uh, um, um, thinking uh, because you typically want to promote. Um, you know, businesses and, 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 and entrepreneurship and such, so you, you don't dare touch that bracket. But they've come out to say that, look, we're, we're, we, we said previously, or rather, um, we, we want to do this because, um, um, after all, uh, we're all in, in the same boat together. Um, I know there are some people who argue that basically um, the rich can get away with it. They, are, they have means and ways of uh, creative accounting, you know, putting things offshore and such. But I really hope um, um, people, uh, especially those in the upper income bracket, um, take this as an opportunity to do their part. You know, I always remember in Singapore, um, one friend of mine who I think was a foreigner, 
and he worked here and he started to pay tax taxes here basically and he said he was so excited when he got his first filing and and he did his filing and and they sent him back, back then wasn't e-filing it was still paper they sent him this piece of paper to say this is the amount of tax you pay thank you for contributing to the um uh uh uh, uh growth uh, uh contributing to the to the country basically and 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 he says yeah that that's a really nice way of putting it um a lot of people always think that you know um we're, we're going to try and avoid tax we're going to try and pay as little as possible and such um but i think the mindset has to change to say that basically it's our responsibility um the 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 money that we pay in terms of taxes actually uh, now goes back to the lower income the b40s even the the m40s and such um so we should be proud to to say that um, you know uh, we don't mind not say don't mind but we we would we will do our part in 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 contributing to the growth of the economy and and the betterment of society lah yeah so i i kind of like that part where i think this is kind of like the message uh, i'm uh, i'm not sure whether that's part of the madani kind of thing so so i presume so uh, but that's the feeling i i i kind of get out of it lah yeah speaking of just not mentioned that everybody is getting a piece of the pie and you also hinted at uh, taxing the rich while also reducing taxes for the M4 group let's go into that point lah okay so one of the i would say the biggest highlight of budget 2023 is i'm just going to read it out for you guys you guys can also check it out i've done a breakdown uh, so at this twitter space just scroll right uh, there's a breakdown of budget 2023 all the important details uh, I, i guess the most interesting one is higher taxes for the wealthy lower for the M40 group So finally, the government is looking at the middle class people, rather than just looking at the rich or the extremely poor. So a few pointers: if your annual income falls between hundred thousand to one million, then you have to prepare to fork additional zero point five percent to two percent in taxes, depending on where you stand in this bracket. Meanwhile, those earning between thirty five thousand and hundred thousand will enjoy a two percent reduction on income tax, regardless of where you are in this bracket, based on my understanding. So I just want to pass the ball to uh, Han over here. What are your thoughts on this decision? Do you believe that it will help to bridge the wealth gap? And ultimately, is taxing the rich a sustainable solution? Well, couple of couple of big questions there. Um, I think if you look at what they've done, right? Um, they've actually uh, given a tax cut to everyone in Malaysia earning. Between four thousand ringgit or so, and a month, and twenty thousand ringgit or so a month. Uh, partly because you know, uh, the first kind of thirty-five thousand to five thousand a year is uh, you get a tax cut up to thousand three hundred ringgit, and then the subsequent kind of hundred and fifty thousand or so, right? Uh, you start getting a bit more tax, and one offsets the other, so you're actually neutral at about twenty thousand ringgit a month, or two hundred and forty thousand or so uh, a year, right? So if you look at it. Uh, only people earning above two twenty thousand a month or two hundred forty thousand a year are actually paying more tax than last year, All right? And if you calculate how many people actually are affected by that, uh, I think the government even said it one hundred fifty thousand people, which is only one percent of our income earning workforce, right? So, in short, this tax was a tax on the one percent. So uh, that's a very famous term, I guess, a common term that most people know what that means now. It literally is a tax on the one percent because everybody else. Is going to be better off, uh, and this is partly because of progressive taxes. Lah. So, uh, because of progressive taxes, it's not just the M40 that are getting this tax cut. Even T20s, all the way to uh, T2, I guess is the word used, 
uh, T2 to 20 also gets a, a, a smaller but still sizable tax cut. Um, and for me, it's uh, are we going to scare rich people away? Mm, if you look at it, we are, you know, you look at our tax to GDP, especially in personal income tax to GDP, is very small, right? It is, is, is very small, not just compared to OECD countries, it's very small compared to even our, our Asian neighbors, right? Uh, you know, we are not a very highly taxed country. So uh, I'd say, uh, arguably, we're still in a very, very uh, competitive tax environment for talent and, 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 and capital. Lah. So tax is not the problem, right? Uh, and so, yeah, just to, to answer your question, right? Uh, uh, actually, number one, only the top 1% are actually feeling the pain this time. And, and, and second, um, you know, we, despite this, this kind of uh, tax increase and tax cuts, tax cuts for the middle and high-ish income class, and uh, tax increases for the very high income class, uh, we're still fairly competitive when it comes to, kind of competitive, fairly low when it comes to personal taxes as a percentage of GDP. I think the biggest problem, I guess, people used to have and still do, I guess, to somewhat, and that remains to be seen, is what are you using my tax money for? I think to answer Sunny's, to respond to Sunny's point, like, I, I'd be so happy to pay much more tax if I have some comfort, some confidence, some conviction that the government is using it wisely, helping the poor, making better schools, better hospitals, better roads, better public transport, stuff like that. So I think, you know what, as, as uh, uh, somebody in uh, the category who may pay more tax, no, no problem paying more tax if it's used to the best of its ability for the country. Lah. Yeah, actually good points over there. Lah. So I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's a slight relief to those people, the, to the M40s and as well as the, uh, I would say, poor as, as well. And uh, you also mentioned about the rich getting a tax cut and the super rich getting a, a tax increase. And, and driving back to your point, as long as the tax money is used wisely, then uh, the citizens actually don't mind to pay additional tax. So Mr. Sunny, same, same thing. What are your thoughts on this decision to actually uh, reduce the tax on the middle 40% uh, while also taxing the extremely wealthy? Yeah, so I think um, touching back on what I said earlier is um, signaling wise, um, I think it's 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 the right thing to do. The 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 vibes sent out by doing so is probably very positive. Um, um, it shows again. I think if you want to send a message that you know we're getting um, this income disparity that's been widening over the years, uh, we're now getting um, the rich to to you know do their share and such. But again, Han has mentioned a very important point, which is the um, again I also don't think the the the, the upper bracket income um, um, community mind. They don't mind paying taxes as long as they know where it's where it's um, it's used it's utilized well and such, and I think that feeds into a word that we often hear nowadays, uh, which is um, leakages. Um, there is kind of a lot of effort, or at least there's a lot of um, um, uh, publicity on on effort to to clamp down on such leakages, whether it's um, getting lowering the amount of um, contracts that are that are uh, tendered, not tendered rather, or or, or 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 what do you call awarded directly, um, and so on and so forth. So that's that's again uh, from in terms of sending out the correct vibes, um, it's 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 very positive. So I, I like that because you know um, Malaysia doesn't have a lot of room to maneuver. 
um, its its debt ceiling is 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 right next to it to where we are. Um, it doesn't have a lot of of room to take on more debt, to spend more than it earns and such. So I think the government is very uh, cognizant of the fact that um, if I want to do something, it's actually not so much that I'm I I need to actually. Um, earn more revenue, therefore I can spend more. It's actually I can actually gain a lot more by making sure that whatever I spend now today, it's actually worthwhile. There are no leakages, nothing uh, leaks out to corruption, uh, um, over invoicing, um, things are being spent in the right way. So I think um, Malaysia over the years have shown that it spends pretty much um, um, quite a bit in terms of key infrastructure, in, uh, in terms of education, in terms of healthcare and such. But we've always not gotten the benefit out of it in the, in the true sense. You know why? Because we build the schools, uh, the Makmal, uh, the boom boom of the Makmal collapses, the, the, the Makmal can't be used for months. We build roads, hundreds of kilometers of roads. The roads don't even last for a couple of years and then you need to start digging them up in order to repair them. So it's all these things which on paper, it looks as though we spend in the correct areas, but it just hasn't benefited us. It hasn't generated that growth which it ought to generate. Because why? Because the stuff that was 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 churned out was of low quality. Were, there were a lot of overpricing leakages we've been paying the right right has been paying so much more than they ought to have been paying so all of this really um so there are a lot of savings to be had meaning to say we can actually uh, 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 get a lot of savings just by addressing these problems you don't even have to go and look for new revenue so to say you address these problems you probably would have uh, um, gotten a lot more uh, uh, buck out of every dollar, meaning to say, uh, from, from, from your spending. So I think that's what I'm hearing, that's what I'm seeing uh, uh, being mentioned out of Putrajaya, and, and that's to me is, is a positive. And I think that's the, the way they are, they are approaching it at this point. Yeah, I think uh, all of us can agree that it's the efficiency on where the tax money goes like, ultimately. And um, if the government is still, uh, at the end of the day, allocating some of the funds to corruption, then that's obviously not a good thing. Like, no matter how much tax we end up paying, no matter how much you end up taxing the rich. Uh, speaking of taxing the rich, right, Han, just in, in a private conversation, I kind of talked a bit about uh, progressive taxes. Now, I'm really confused about this, so um, I want you to just explain a bit more about uh, progressive taxes and is it ac actually accurate to say that you know, the wealthy pay more as their earnings increase. No, absolutely. I think progressive taxes is something very, very misunderstood, especially for, for, for uh, non-finance inclined, non-mathematically inclined. So and I think that's it's for anyone. It's, 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 uh, it is complicated for, for some, right? But the key thing to remember is that, you know, uh, you don't get taxed the full amount on your whole uh, uh, on your whole salary or whole income, right? So as you move up the brackets, you pay how much you pay for the, the bracket before and only the next dollar that you earn, you pay the higher rate, right? So you don't pay the high rate on the full, your full salary. So if you're in the 25% tax bracket, which is uh, 100,000 to 250, for example, 1,000 a year, you don't pay 25% on the full 100,000 or 250,000, right? You pay, you know, every single slice of, of on the bracket, you pay the, the respective amount, 
and, and then you pay 25% on any amount above 100,000 rather than the full amount. So that's, that's the nature of progressive tax. For those people who need an analogy, uh, I, I like to give this one. Uh, imagine you're in a computer game, you know, you defeat one boss level, then you get up to the next boss level, right? That doesn't mean you have to defeat all the boss levels beforehand. You've already done it, right? So don't, don't, don't go back and then tax yourself more. Uh, on your previous income that, 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 that the previous bracket that you, you already do. You just go on to the next level and, and defeat that boss, essentially, right? So frequently, people will pay some sort of blended average of, of, of the percentages of, of tax, right? So for example, if you're earning 100,000 ringgit, let's just say without all the relief stuff, right? Uh, your effective tax rate is likely to be in the 10 to 11% range, right? Rather than, oh, it should be 25, right? No, why is it not 25? It's about 10% because not every slice of your income is taxed at that top rate that you now pay. So that's what, that's the whole story about progressive taxes. And people get confused, but happy to explain it every single time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, I, I'm a bit, uh, I would say, mind blown over here. So I'm trying to say that, let's say this rich person earns about 100,000 per month, okay? And I, I, let's say per year, okay, per year. And then for the first 100,000, since that there's this new implementation of a 2% reduction in tax, so for, the, for their first 100,000, it's actually a 2% reduction in tax, right? Since That's right. That's right. What? At the end of, then, then at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of like, <clears throat> you're, not, you're not really taxing the T20s at all, right? No, no. So, and, and you're only starting to increase taxes on the T1s. Yeah essentially the, the richest 1% of Malaysians, yeah. which, is, which, is, which is fine because, or rather, let me rephrase, there are a lot of people who are concerned, right? So some people who are saying, hey, look, I'm only earning 100000 a year. I've got a family of four. Why am I considered a rich person, right? And he's in his right mind to, to, to say that, which is because, you know, 10000 in Selah in Kuala Lumpur, a uh, family of four, uh, you wouldn't consider yourself very rich. You might be comfortable. You might be just getting by. But you wouldn't certainly consider yourself rich and you would feel highly aggrieved if you had to pay extra tax uh, 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 under the guise of high income tax, right? Uh, so I think that's... that's uh, so just to explain, you don't pay any more tax. Everybody pays less tax if you earn less than 20,000 ringgit a month, 240,000 or so, give or take a few thousand uh, 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 a year. So only the super high income, I'll call it, uh, if you wanted a uh, kind of uh, uh, a very clickbaity term, yeah, we'll pay more tax. I see. I see. Okay. I think. I think at the end of the day, this needs uh, a complete threat from you, lah, just to really uh, explain everything properly. And 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 I, I really didn't know about this until uh, you spoke of it of it today. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, Mister Sunny, any comments on this? Uh, uh, I'm just I'm just mind blown, lah. So allow me to just digest things a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why. Effectively, or rather, I just use the word effective. Effective tax rate is, is what you look at. Um, you don't look at the, the, the tax bracket that, um, let's say, for example, the highest tax bracket for, for, for Malaysian personal income tax is 25%. Doesn't mean you are taxed at 25 um, Like Han mentioned, uh, first 5000 you get a certain tax. Next 5000 you get, and then next 5000 So then after, thereafter, I think you add everything together and effectively you kind of know where, what you're paying la, on an effective basis. La. But anyway, it's, it's, it's um, what was I saying? Yeah, so this, this, this part, I think Hans has, has, has uh, um, spoken about it quite, quite well, quite clearly. Uh, I, 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 I await his threat. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
for 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 me, I remember when I was in 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 ratings itself. Um, um, you know, uh, the the biggest thing that we were looking at, of course, was the debt to GDP uh ratio lah. So maybe divert a little bit from 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 the taxes itself. Um, so so because um again, ratings is always looking at whether a country can pay its debt. It's 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 coupons on bonds. It's it's principal upon maturity and such. Um, so so that's probably one of the things which I feel. Um, and I've just looked at the 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 release by Fitch. Um, and I think Fitch right after the budget, um, kind of gave, uh, kind of like it's an okay budget, but in the last um paragraph. Uh, mentioned that one key rating sensitivity for Malaysia is actually its government debt, uh, which it says it is sitting on the higher end of what we call the triple B group of countries. Because in ratings, we always do this. We always put countries, we lump them together and say, you know, Malaysia at triple B or, or, or A minus and such um, should share similar characteristics uh, with with other countries uh, with similar kind of macroeconomic indicators and such. So uh, everybody in the triple B group by right should have roughly around the same amount of debt to GDP. And Fitch has mentioned that the debt to GDP for the triple B rating band is about 56%. And Malaysia's one is now, uh, according to their adjustment, the general government debt is about 73.3%. Uh, 73.3%. So um, that tells us basically that... Um, um, again, it's a it's a ratio. It's government debt um, uh, numerator, uh, uh, GDP denominator, um, and so the the ratio can worsen uh, in two ways. If if government debt increases, number one, and number two, if GDP shrinks, because the denominator denominator becomes smaller. Um, so the danger, basically, uh, if I were to just put on a ratings cap or hat. Going forward, is we get GDP growth well below uh, where we anticipate it to be, that automatically push up pushes up the 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 debt to GDP ratio. Um, in terms of government debt itself, you know, like I mentioned earlier, this government seems to be on the ball in terms of um, trying to maintain or keep a lid on the debt levels. So I think they may be able to do that. But one thing which is out of their control is actually GDP. Because again, it really depends on global GDP. So there could be a um, tricky situation if the global situation declines, global growth declines, Malaysia's debt to GDP automatically increases as Malaysia's, Malaysia's GDP decreases. Um, and we could have a repercussion on the ratings. Probably not a direct rating downgrade, but maybe what we call an outlook. They would just say outlook negative. Something like that. So that's something which I, being a ratings guy, that's something uh, I was kind of uh, looking at. Yeah, I think that's something interesting that we can definitely uh, come back to, uh, especially during the uh, Q&A part of the session, because it would be very nice to look at Malaysia's GDP outlook compared to its debt and whatnot. And ultimately, the rate of each country is also, I would say, extremely important. Because if I'm not mistaken, that will actually... Uh, see if other countries whether they want to lend to you money or whatnot, yeah, right, Mr. Sunny? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, correct. Because um, uh, after all, the government finances a, a lot of its um, um revenues, or rather, finances a lot of its projects using uh bond issuances. 
yeah so a lot is spending sorry using bond issuances so it is it is something which is quite important yeah yeah, yeah. all right let's move on with the um budget 2023 another i would say very interesting decision that the government has implemented is 500 ringgit basically uh cash money for all epf members aged 40 to 55 with less than 10000 ringgit in their account one so if you have like uh, any parent or whatnot, their EPF accounts, they have less than 10,000 ringgit, account one, eh? then the government will infuse 500 ringgit to every single one of these uh, people. And this has been met with, I would say, quite a strong criticism uh, by a, a lot of people. Because first of all, the total cost of this is 1 billion ringgit. And um, a lot of people are calling it as a mere publicity stunt, lah, just to get people to be happy about uh, a 500 ringgit cash infusion. But I want to ask the qualified people. So Han, um, what is your opinion on this aid? Does it actually help the poor? Or is it just, you know, like what other people says, it's just a publicity stunt? Yeah, I think with this EPF infusion, like we call it, right, this 500 ringgit, you've got to look at the, not just the economic backdrop or financial backdrop of uh, contributors, EPF account holders, right? You've got to look at the political context, right, which is significant pressure on the government to uh, yet again uh, allow uh, special EPF withdrawals for underage, sorry, when I say underage, I mean under-retirement age people, right? Lots of political pressure from uh, uh, all sides of the aisle, including their own, the backbenchers. So I think this was more, uh, less less about the, the actual money, right? So you think about it, 500 ringgit, if, you're, if you have less than 10,000 in your EPF account, Firing it, even if you compound it over 15 years, it's going to add a couple of grand, uh, uh, you know, over 15 years at most, right? Uh, it's not going to move the needle significantly. But I think uh, uh, if you look at the, the chatterings over the last week or so about EPF, right, it's been very, very quiet the last few days, right? Because I think it's, it, it's more so a political statement rather than any kind of economic policy, which is to say, hey, look, we are not going to do this. In fact, we're going to do the opposite of allowing withdrawals. We're going to put infusions. We're going to put contributions in. I personally think, you know what? One billion ringgit, is it? Was it? I think two billion. One billion ringgit to make a Correct. point. One billion ringgit to make a point is very, very expensive. Uh, and if they wanted to make an actual point or a bigger point, they could have done other things, right? Should have done more, in fact, right? Say things like, oh, I'll match your contribution. You contribute, self-contribute, self I'll match it to a certain amount. Or totally use the opportunity to, to restructure how we contribute for EPS. Uh, and, and I don't want to say copy the Singaporeans, but uh, literally like, you know, things like rebalance from the rich to the poor again, or high income to low income. Uh, uh, things like, hey, uh, tiered, tiered contributions for your employer. High income people probably don't need as much matching, right? Uh, somebody earning 30000 probably does not need the full 3600 from their employer. Right, they are going to retire fine, right? Um, uh, and higher contributions can be made from an employer for things like that, restructuring the EPF to replenish, right? The statement is correct, i.e. we need to stop withdrawing and start replenishing, but perhaps the, the, the we call it publicity standard, yeah. Perhaps this move is a little bit expensive, one billion to make a statement uh, without much economic impact. So that's just my, my general statement. No, actually you laid out 
quite a few fascinating ideas over there. Like, and, and, and I really like the part where you mentioned matching contribution, right? Because that will essentially encourage people to replenish their EPF. Because right now, uh, let's say if I were to put in 200 ringgit, then the government is going to fork out another 200. Why not? It's a 50% gain from me. And if I start compounding it early, then who knows what's the balance going to be after uh, 20, 30 years. And, and for those people who are having less than maybe 10,000 ringgit in their accounts, I think that, that policy itself, uh, with the 1 billion ringgit budget used to infuse 500 ringgit to everybody's EPF accounts, I think that might be more well spent. Yeah. And, and, and driving back, going back to your ending point of it being a publicity stunt. Same question, Mr. Sani, this 500 ringgit cash infusion, do you stand on the same side as uh, Han or do you have a different opinion? Um, yeah, so I, I, I think when I first started off, I said the this budget itself um, sends a lot of signals. Um, and I think Han correctly pinpointed that one of these signals is basically to say that, you know, um, if, 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 I mean, lack of a better word, if you don't care about your EPF, we, we care, we will care for you and put $500 inside. Um, but maybe also look out for who knows, 500 isn't very much. Anybody earning less than 10,000, um, of course, at, at 10,000 itself is what, 5, 5%? Yeah, 5%. Um, but if the government every year puts in 500 um, in its, uh, during its term, um, you know, over four years, over two years, 1,000, 1,005, 2,000, 2,005, you know. Um, you know, it, it, to, to someone who has $10,000 ringgit in his, in his account, um, uh, over one government's one term, if he receives 2,005, um, that's pretty decent, I guess. Lah. So, I, I, of course, now looking at it in isolation, just receiving 500 ringgit, yes, it's, it's not a lot, I guess. Uh, but if next year you know, the government comes out again and says, okay, we'll top it up another 500, maybe then people will start to realize, hey, after all, not bad huh? if every year can get 500. So so um, that's one thing. So, but, but I do agree. Um, maybe they could have gotten a little bit of a, a extra kicker uh, if they had actually do a matching scheme and, and, and such. Yeah. But again, I think signaling, top marks, um, uh, impact uh, really has to be every year, then you probably see a bigger impact. Yeah, yeah, good points over there. And, and, and Han, just, Han was just not talking about copying the Singapore. So, uh, since you have stayed in Singapore for, I think, more than 30 plus years, what does he mean by copying the Singaporeans? Want to elaborate a bit on how good <laughs> EF is? <laughs> I think a lot of this kind of matching grants. Um, in Singapore, the government tends to try and encourage people to to match or try, try to encourage people by matching their, their amounts. So I think last year, if I'm not wrong, there was a, a matching grant for a top-up. Um, there's always a limit, uh, matching up to $500, $600. So if you put in, we'll match it and so on. So so that's something which, which um, uh, is pretty uh, common in Singapore. <laughs> so the government doesn't sometimes don't truly hand out like that. They, they say, we'll match you. Uh, of course, they do give direct transfers, um, but also quite in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a smart manner, I would say. Um, the government tends to give vouchers. So there, there's a CDC vouchers to help people tie through the high inflation period. Each household, uh, will, I think, get a couple of hundred dollars depending on what type of household and so on. Um, and the reason why they give vouchers basically is because you then go to the participating shops and you can actually 
use those vouchers to buy, in fact, almost everything. You know, Kedai Runcit also, you, you can use it. Uh, supermarkets, of course. Um, uh, went to the um, uh, optometric, uh, went to a spectacle shop and, 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 and managed to get some spectacles using the voucher. My kid needed spectacles and such. Uh, um, and that, to me, is actually a um, much smarter move than to give, let's say, for example, I, I, and I stand to be correct, I'm not sure whether Malaysia is given cash directly or not. Because what happens is when you give vouchers, you then ensure that the money is going to be spent in the domestic economy, i.e. your local economy, your shop, your shopkeepers, your, your machipachi, kadarunchit, everybody. Will, the money is going to go to them because that's where you can only spend it, basically. Um when you get $500, $600, and you use that actually to pay off your debt, katakan you have the hutang and you pay off. Actually, you know, from an economic perspective, uh, when you spend money in the domestic economy, you buy new stuff and such, that's considered to be GDP, that's consumption. But if you take the money and you pay off your debt, that's not that's not part of GDP. Meaning say that, that doesn't boost your, your GDP, doesn't boost your, your local economy and such. So if, if you really wanted to have a multiplier effect, so to say, um, then doing it from the voucher perspective. And, you know, they don't, not only do they have vouchers for households, they have vouchers for school children. So school children have this kind of edu-safe uh, accounts. All school, all school going children have an account. So every year the government will actually put in some money into that account. You can use it to pay some of your school activities. Sometimes you go you know, uh, uh, on a field trip, for Dixon, for example, I mean, not here in Singapore, <laughs> yeah, they, you get to use it, um, you get to use it even to, 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 to buy school-related items and such. Yeah, so one of the things I, I, I always thought would be good for, for Malaysia's case was also for every school-going children to have, a, to have what we call an education account, where the government then funds the education account. Um, and you can only use that to, to use it for school-related stuff. Um, then you can you kind of you kind of know that aha, I'm giving this family five hundred ringgit. I know for sure the five hundred ringgit is going to be used for the child because why? Because I'm I'm restricting the usage for for education, rather than you give five hundred to the to the to the to the mak bapa and you really don't know what they're using it for. Okay, I'm not trying to say anything, but you know maybe it goes for roko and stuff like that. I'm not sure, but again, then you kind of lose the 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 the, the pay off the debt, on. so you kind of lose that 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 opportunity to grow the economy. Um, but you know, so I think it's it's a good idea. This kind of matching special accounts and such. Yeah, you were talking about like uh, giving out vouchers to ensure that the uh, money is spent on the right place. La. I, I guess our last point talking about the budget 2023 is to uh, talk about the additional 2,500 ringgit. Now, this is cash aid. Uh. This is like what you said, la, just not directly cash. It's not even cash vouchers okay, to families which are, who are earning less than 2,500 ringgit a month depending on their family size. So just really echoing back what you said, I mean, this 2,500 ringgit, it should be given in vouchers in order to uh, encourage the families to spend on areas in which the government wants, right? So uh, at the end of the day, the question is, will this essentially create a dependency on the government or not? if you end up giving cash aid directly right, rather than cash vouchers? Um, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not dependent in the sense, um, you mean every year they expect it or... or 
I think I think Han. Uh, this this one is only one off, right? This this yeah. this actually is two thousand five is only one off, right? From what I read. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean the the name is one off, right? Sumangan mm. Tunai Rama. But if you look at the the context of Malaysia, the history of these kind of handouts in Malaysia, they started over the last, I want to say, eleven, twelve years ago during uh, during Najib times. They were used to used to call be called uh, Brim Bantuan Rakyat South Malaysia. Mm. Over the last twelve Green, years, Green. yes, I remember. Yeah, Green. <laughs> it's, it's gone through many, many iterations of of rebrandings uh, from uh, I don't know Prihatin to to you know Harapan payment or, or uh, and now and now it's it's got the Rahma branding, uh, but essentially it's cash transfers right from from um, from government to uh, in this case hardcore poor and in fact not so hardcore but poor. Um and and ultimately it's it's a step and it's it's a step I I think somewhat positive step towards a more basic income type of structure right and obviously I it's a whole other thread whole other whole other space we talk about in terms of why I think um we need to go down this road uh but you know you look at this this sumbangan tunai rahma right two thousand five hundred month uh, at the most sorry uh, as a cap. Uh, four times a year, quarterly, I think, uh, over the next, uh, over the next kind of ten months of the year, right? It's pretty much targeted basic income, right? Ensuring that you know, even if you are super hardcore poor, you have something, right? Um, and two thousand five hundred ringgit over a twelve month period is more than two hundred bucks a month for a very low income earner. It, 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 it can be the difference between going hungry for the last week of the month or or not, right? And and for me, that that is. Is, is something that that, that that matters. Now, in terms of targeted spending, vouchers are always nice, yes, but they become very difficult to administer, very difficult to control. Uh, what what the government has done in terms of uh, this multiplier effect capability, and I think this is the right way to do it, we just need to improve internet access in more rural areas, is this uh, what we used to do, and we still continue to do once off for young people, I think, which is e-wallet credits, right? Because you can't use your e-wallet credit to pay off your debt you can only spend it somewhere. <laughs> and like, you know, even if you get 100 ringgit uh, at a pop, for me, that's, that's a form of generating that multiplier. I think uh, in my time advising the government in, in 2019, 2020, uh, the MOF guys were telling me, hey, look, Han, this is one of the best ways to, number one, do direct cash transfer. There's no kind of middleman. It goes electronically directly into people wallet. Plus, is a huge multiplier effect. Like we, we give three billion, we can see, and we can track and see, you know, ten billion uh, generated in the economy. That kind of thing. Uh, they were very, very excited about. I think that's why they've continued it since, right, since twenty nineteen. Um, and I think that's 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 to a response lah. The Malaysian response, I guess, to the the, the Singaporean context here, uh, yeah. which is, hey, look, like we have this too. Uh, it just needs to be refined, expanded. If anybody from the crypto will, will, will start saying Han, you, you seem to be talking about CBDC. Yeah, I, I was very <laughs> nervous to mention the next part of that, which is uh, number one, going to UBI, better not, not, not at this place. And number two, CBDC, again, better not, not at this place. Another, another space. Yeah, uh, that, that one I think definitely needs a whole other space uh, because they on the crypto side of things, if those people are extremely pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin, right, they will never... Here, when you talk about CBDC, they will just entirely shut you out. And you talk about UBI, they will also shut you out. You know, so uh, probably we will definitely have another session to discuss more in depth on that. Uh, just now we had a speaker who uh, attempted to come out. I, I suppose that he has questions. Anyway, guys, just to remind you, 
this session is open. If you guys have any questions, right, just request to be a speaker. And uh, after, when the speakers are done talking, I will just approve you guys immediately and, and, and we'll get on with the session. Alternatively, if you guys are a bit shy to ask questions, number one, you can uh, actually message your questions, DM directly to us, okay? Or you can comment the questions uh, in the comment section of this Twitter space. All right, so right now, we have already settled the uh, budget 2023 stuff. If you guys missed the earlier part of the session, don't worry, it's entirely recorded. You can listen to it after this, after I end this space. Now let's transition into something more serious, more worrying, and that's EPF. Now, just going to hit you guys with some numbers. Lah. According to statistics, 71% of Malaysians below the age of 55 do not have enough EPF savings to lift themselves above the poverty line. Now, obviously, this can be attributed to the government's allowance of EPF withdrawals for over the span of COVID-19, uh, withdrawing a total of 145 billion ringgit or 15% of the total EPF funds. Yeah, that's a heck of a lot of money. Okay, So uh, I just want to really pass the ball to Han again. Why is it not advisable to withdraw early from EPF? And did the withdrawals genuinely benefit citizens or did it just merely increase their reliance on it? Sorry sorry to interject. Can, can someone give me some background? How many times were the withdrawal made and at what amounts? Huh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, CG, you go for it. You go for it. I actually don't know. I, I just know there's four, four total withdrawals. Uh, withdrawing a grand total of $145 billion. So I think I'll pass this one to you. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I think if you look at what was allowed, right, there was a significant amount of uh, account one, which is uh, typically the lockbox. You can't break that box, right? 70% of your EPF money can't touch. You can touch 30% account two normally for specific things like buying a house, uh, a medical going overseas to study, that kind of stuff. All good stuff there. Typically, cannot touch account one lockbox until 2020, where government in four separate, uh, throughout 2020, uh, late 20, towards the middle of 2020 to the middle of 2022, in that two-year period, allowed four separate withdrawals ranging between uh, 10,000 and 60,000. There's all kinds of rules around the place. Uh, but it's significant, right? Significant withdrawals uh, 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 four, four times over the two years. Now, so it's a lot. And total was 145 billion withdrawn in, 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 in a two-year period uh, across these four withdrawals. So for me, in short, right, this, this EPF account one thing, uh, uh, Pandora's box, we opened it. We can't seem to close it. We have to close it back, right? Uh, we have to remember that, um, you know, EPF is, is a defined contribution, yes, but people have to think about it as defined benefit, which is, it is for my future, right? Even though there's a balance there, right? I have to assume it's gone until I'm 55, right? Uh, except for really extraordinary situations, right? So uh, um, now COVID-19 was extremely unprecedented. I think was the number one word of 2020. Uh, really unprecedented time. Therefore, you know, uh, unprecedented measures. So EPF allowed to open, but we can't seem to close it again. Um, and now where are we now? When kind of 2023, uh, things have fully recovered in most respects. There's maybe tourism, a couple of other niche industries, couple, uh, you know, few areas of, of, of society where fully yet to recover, but mostly we have recovered, right? So we're not in this kind of tremendous pandemic, unprecedented time anymore, right? Things should be how they were in 2019, give or take a few 
areas, you know, like maybe the tourism industry maybe needs a bit more support. Maybe some niche industries still need some support, right? In fact, we should be now going the other way, acknowledging we have damaged ourselves and figuring out how to replenish it. Right? So I think uh, 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 communication from the government, all sides, uh, even opposition, needs to be key here, right? Which is, guys, like this is our fiscal future, right? Our, our, our generational future. We need to do something about this and we need to increase and replenish EPF for everyone, right? That has been damaged. Uh, so for me, that, that is a problem, right? Uh, we have started to go even further away from defined benefit to defined contribution. Now, uh, uh, unhinged, sorry, unlocked contribution, which I can take out anytime, right? Which is, which is not the purpose of EPF. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Pandora's box, right, now literally a lot of people are relying entirely on it, like, just begging the government to open up for another round of withdrawals. Notable figures include our former PM, Ismail Sabri, he's still pushing for another round of withdrawals. So he said something like, uh, what is the use of the fund if we are declared bankrupt by the time you want to withdraw the money later on? The urgency is now, not later. This is a direct quote from him. <clears throat> then, also, I think a week or two ago, several NGOs, I think about six NGOs, uh, they actually stood by Ismail Sabri's side and also urged for another round of withdrawals. And the surprising thing about this, right, is that these people have about 100,000 or more in their respective EPF accounts. Then that makes me wonder red, whether they really need the money or not, or are they just withdrawing it early to splurge? So some additional numbers here before I pass it to Mr. Sunny. As of December 31 last year, 6.7 million out of 13.1 uh, million EPF members, so about 50% of them, age 55 and below, have less than 10,000 ringgit in savings. This is obviously following the four withdrawal schemes. Also, the Malays, uh, this was pointed out by the Deputy Finance Minister, I think around last week or so. The Malays, who number more than 7 million members, had 16,009 as of April 2020. Yeah, now they are only left with 5,005. It's uh, extremely worrying. So, Mr. Sunny, same question. Um, where was I? Why is it not advisable to withdraw early from EPF? And did the withdrawals genuinely benefit citizens or merely increase the on it? Okay. Um, I'll take it from, from um, two levels, macro and micro. The macro level, I remember when I was with the rating agency, uh, one of my colleagues in London wrote a paper which just went viral back then. Um, it was picked up by all the newspapers in the world and such. And his... Um, title was, you know, in the long run, we're all dead. Um, and, and his projection, he, he was based out of London, was that uh, by 2050, um, Germany would lose its AAA ratings. Many other countries, including the US, would put, potentially even uh, uh, be downgraded and such. And the reason behind it was because of their so-called pension system, which is pay-as-you-go, meaning to say that, you know, they don't save like us. It's not, you know, for our uh, in layman's term, uh, we save for our future. We set aside money uh, in your EPF, in your CPF, so that uh, it grows. And then later during uh, retirement, we take it back 
or we 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 draw down on that savings. Whereas the pension funds in or rather the system in 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 the Western world is basically um, the current taxpayers basically fund uh, the retirees at at that point in time. It wasn't an issue when in the nineteen sixties when you had more people working and and less uh, uh, elderly silver whatever you call them. Um, but as more and more people retire, the current workforce paying taxes um, um, just cannot sustain um, the pension uh, uh, payouts uh, that it needs to do so. So um, the government would have to step in and borrow. In fact, um, um, I had lunch with one of the chief economists back then of a very large insurance company. I won't name, I won't name the insurance company. Um, and he was saying that there is no way out for the US except to uh, either cut the benefit that has been promised to 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 the pensioners or to increase the uh, retirement age you see there's no way there's no way uh, uh, we can meet the the what what we have promised um, the pension because the tax base or rather the, the 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 workforce is not large enough to generate enough revenue to pay uh, so something has to give so that's really the long term kind of uh, view um, and 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 if Malaysia continues um, and not only Malaysia, but any country continues to, and and I I truly agree with Hans when it comes to that Pandora box thing. Um, I just have to say this, and and I'm like, Urgh. it's open. Every single government who lacks the discipline to actually um um uh, um um not put his hand into into that coffer, uh, will do so. You know, if there's nothing to stop them. This is what we call the easiest fisc the easiest fiscal transfer that you can have. Why? You're taking the rakyat's own money and giving it to back to them. Okay? And it doesn't appear as a debt to the government. So your debt to GDP doesn't increase. So your your ratings don't get hit. So your fiscal position is still okay. And and you've you've just gained this like hero status because you've just given the right uh, ten thousand ringgit or twenty thousand ringgit, okay? But what you're actually doing, and going back to my first example, is you have just um, shortchanged maybe not your current generation, but the generation in the future, whom will find that there is no way, whomever is the government twenty years later from now on, when all the People who are retiring find that they only have less than ten thousand ringgit in their EPF. What is the government going to do when people start to say, "How am I going to survive with less than ten thousand? I only get like, and I'm going to and 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 medical advancement will tell you that currently today, Malaysia's uh, life expectancy is seventy four years, yes, seventy four, seventy five. Singapore's life expectancy is eighty four, eighty five. Malaysia will catch up with Singapore. So basically, in the future, people are going to live longer. 10,000 ringgit and you're going to live from what? 60 years old to 85 years, 25 years. How are you going to survive? And so it will, be, it will fall on the shoulders of the government at that point in time. Who knows which government that is. But it will fall on the shoulders because they just cannot allow the rakyat to just like, you know, literally have zero to eat and stuff like that. So what we're doing now today, if you keep on allowing every single government that's in, in power to take it out, take it out, take it out, is you are just delaying the inevitable, which is it's going to be a massive crisis in 
20, 30 years time. Okay, so that's the 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 the, the macro, uh, macro side of it. Uh. So it's very scary. It's it's, it's something very real. Uh, so I'm very happy to 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 know that the current government has some sense to say no. Let's not do it. In fact, let's put five hundred dollars in your in your in your EPR. Yeah. Okay. On on the micro side of it is that if you understand how debt is created, okay. Some people tell me. Some people say, "Oh, I go and borrow money from the bank. Therefore, I have a, a debt." But you also must understand debt is created when you spend more than you earn. Any financial planner will tell you that. You set out your budget. Even Hans will say, "You set out a budget." If every month you you earn two uh one thousand five hundred ringgit and you spend two thousand, you have minus five hundred. That minus five hundred basically, if you don't have any savings to pay, it end up, ends up as a hutang. That's it. It's either you take your assets and pay it off, or you actually owe someone that five hundred. So that five hundred could sit on your telecom bill, your utilities bill, and your credit card bill, or whatever. It has it's a debt. Okay. So if your characteristic, or rather, your financial situation is every single month you are in deficit, five hundred, five hundred, five hundred. No matter how much you withdraw from your EPF, I give you ten thousand. You pay off your debt. Guess what? A year later, if you are minus five hundred every month, a year later you have six thousand debt again. Then what? Withdraw again, then pay off again. Then if every single month you have minus one, so what I'm trying to say on a micro level, if you don't solve this this um, negative balance that people are having, okay, no matter how much EPF you withdraw, it's not going to be enough. You're just withdrawing money to put it into the hands of the creditors, which are typically the banks. So we have this micro and macro thing, which I think tells us very strongly, um, EPF is not the solution to 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 this. Yeah, exactly. A lot of key points you mentioned there. And and I really like the part where you talked about how uh, people are spending more than they earn and ending up incurring more debt. And at the end of the day, if you uh, withdraw from EPF early, that's not essentially going to solve your problem because you're going back to square one uh, at the end of each month. So Han, actually, how do we close this Pandora, Pandora's box? Now that we've opened it, how do we close it back? And And at the end of the day, you know, people can just walk up and tell you that, hey, I have debts, money to pay my debts, you know, what can I do apart from taking money from my future? I, I have to think of today because I cannot think of tomorrow anymore. Tomorrow, I'm not even sure where I'll, be, where I'll be here or not. What's the most important thing is now, which is why I decided to use my EPF money to pay off my debt. What's wrong with that? So, Han, I'll pass it to you. What should I do now? Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. I think, uh, uh, Sunny hit the nail on the head there, which is if your problems are, uh, and, and, I, and obviously I have to be very cognizant of people who may not have debt issues but may still feel that they need their EPF money for whatever reason they got retrenched they are in the tourism industry which is not yet fully recovered they, they just have no way out uh, uh, that, that, that aside I think for the vast majority of people in 2023 uh, versus 2021 or 2020 right um, if you have a debt issue, EPF is not the answer. I think that is, is, is a perfect thing that, that the perfectly rational thing that Sunny just mentioned, right? Um, there are so many things you can do, right? Um, uh, before that, before you go to the EPF angle, right? Like, uh, I, I don't have to talk about budgeting. I think most listeners of yours are, are fairly well educated in that sense, right? You know, 
But for me, the, the key is, if you're in debt, you you're struggling, right? There's something that a lot of people don't know, which is uh, you can sort it out with your bank. It's called restructuring uh, uh, or consolidation, whatever you want to call it, right? What I mean by that is, if you're heavily indebted, too many home loans, too many personal loans, or we have a home loan, too many personal loans, too many credit card loans, the balances are so high, right? Call your bank. Get a new product. Hey, Han, how can you say get more product? Cannot, cannot. No, actually you can, right? You're not getting any more new debt. You're just restructuring or consolidating your debt to a lower interest. Banks still make money from you, right? Uh, with, at low interest rates, right? They can give you 5% loan uh, uh, APR and still make money. Why? Because their cost of funds are way lower than that, right? The last thing they want you to do is to not be able to repay that. So if you figure out a way to restructure your debt, do it quick, right? You don't even have to go to AKPK, which is like the formal debt restructuring thing, which may impact your CTOS and secrets and all that stuff. You can just go straight to your current bank who would love to sell you a new product. You just have to be smart about what kind of product you want to get, which is to reduce your rate over time. right? So that's just a classic way to do it. Now, as in, I, I don't have a silver bullet for, for the other stuff, right? which is, hey, look, one of the structural issues that's causing this call for this EPF withdrawals is uh, structurally low income versus rampant inflation. And yet again, it's a whole different space, two different, a whole different Twitter space required, right? But structural issues, I don't have the silver bullet for. We need to solve it. It will take time, right? And, and until then, uh, cash handouts, re- reducing the subsidy for rich people um, and, and, and giving it back to poor people. Right now, it's a bit wrong, right? I think uh, our deputy finance minister came out yesterday saying, hey, we're still subsidizing very, very rich people to drive they're very, uh, you know, uh, to drive petrol, uh, so drive a lot in their very, very high, high value cars. And why are we giving them a subsidy that, that makes no sense? Not in the sense that I want to charge rich people more, but in the sense that every dollar that, uh, you know, the wealthy, the top 1% get is a dollar less or ringgit less for, you know, the B40 of the world. Right? And I think there is no person earning uh, above 20,000 ringgit who wants to see hardcore poverty in Malaysia go up. Right, uh, at their expense. So that's kind of uh, a very long and very micro yes, and then also a macro statement. Yeah, just want to get back to your initial point right there of restructuring the loans from your bank. So really, for those of you guys who are struggling with debt right now, before you go to that EPF route, I think that should be the last of the last measures, okay? And and, and make sure you just try all the other alternatives first. Lah. And the first one is to see whether you can get the uh, APR below 7% or not. And I got a fun question for you, Mr. Sunny, before I uh, move on to you. Can you guess, <laughs> with, the, with the savings of 10,000 ringgit, I think Han can also join. For the next 30 years, okay, for the next, let's put it, for the next 20 years, lah, okay, how much will you have per month to spend if you have 10,000 ringgit in EPF? Can you guess, Mr. Sunny? If you have ten thousand ringgit in your EPF, yeah, um, and you're gonna draw down now, or you're gonna draw down in thirty years. So you're gonna you're you're gonna withdraw now. Let's say now you're fifty five already. You're gonna withdraw out all the ten k. How much will you have each month for the next twenty years? Twenty years. Uh. Yeah, just yeah. just whack a figure, whack a figure. Whack a figure. Yeah, how much in ringgit will you have per month in EPF money? Uh, if your capital is ten for the next twenty years. Twelve uh, <laughs> 10,000 is it? Yeah, 10,000. Wow. Don't know. 200? 50 bucks. Han, Han, your, your guess? 50 bucks? About. Very close. 
the, the real answer is 42 ringgit. 42 ringgit only. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And this is excluding inflation. But, We're not but, including but, inflation. Uh, do you, do, is there a real return on the on the money or not? Uh, no, no. Assuming that 10,000 oh, right okay. now for the next uh, 20 years. Yeah. Direct drawdown. Yeah. 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 42 ringgit per month, which is uh, very worrying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, are, we are down to our final question for the night. And for those of you guys in the audience who have any additional questions, you can either DM us, the Futurists, or you can just directly step up, be a speaker. We immediately approve you. Alternatively, you can also send your questions in the comments section of this space, and then we will do our best to uh, address all your questions. The last question for tonight. Apart from requesting early withdrawals, okay, what other alternative measures can individuals take to boost their savings and financial stability? So we, we're actually not talking about uh, restructuring debts from bank because we have, we've already been there. What other alternatives are there, Mr. Sunny? You know, the, any financial advisor will tell you that in order to... So you're talking about repaying your debt, is it? Not just debt, but I mean, in general, how can one yeah. boost their savings? And yeah. Kind of, yeah. So, so basically, it's this. We, you know, everybody pays a lot of money to attend all these courses, to tell them about financial freedom and so on, and blah, 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 blah. Whereas, whereas financial freedom is a very simple concept. Financial freedom basically is every month you spend less than you earn. Full stop. Because every time you spend less than you earn means you, you end up with some money in your hands, correct? Because if you earn two thousand, you spend thousand five, you got five hundred dollars in your hands. If you earn uh ten thousand, you spend nine 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 thousand nine hundred, you got hundred dollars in in your hand. So as long as you spend less than you earn, you've got some money in your hand. And that's savings. And your savings you can do two things. You can either buy an asset, put it in a bank as an asset, buy some shares as an asset, or you can pay off your debt. So so the big question now is how do you create that positive balance every month? Okay, and there are basically three ways to do it. Number one is to increase your income. So you need to find means and ways. What do you do? You know, um, I, for example, um, do part-time teaching. You know, some people will do part-time baking, and so on. So increasing your income will 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 help you turn a negative balance into a positive balance. Number two, you could reduce your expenditure so that you make sure that you don't spend more than you earn, then you create a positive balance. Or number three, you could do a combination of both. Increase your income and also reduce your expenditure. So therefore, net-net, it will end up as a positive balance. So the most important thing, of, uh, in my view, and I always tell people that, you must, and I tell my kids, this, you know, I tell them, I say, every single month, you make sure that you do not spend more than you earn. Because once you spend more than you earn, you are creating either two scenarios. Your assets are decreasing, your liabilities are increasing. And you do not want that because both of them lead you to one point, which is basically, at the end of the day, uh, a bad financial situation, bankruptcy and so on. What you want is you want a positive balance every single month. Okay, So, that's, 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 so how someone creates this, um, it's very individualistic what skills that you have to, to create, generate more revenue, what, um, um, how, how sticky is your expenditure, can you reduce your expenditure? Because once you can create that positive balance, you're in a safe place. Even though you have a debt, you know, um, anybody who has a huge um, credit card debt, for example, 20,000 ringgit, and they say, wow, that's impossible for me to pay. Well, no, not, not really. 
if you pay your minimum monthly balance, okay, eventually it will go down to zero. Because why? Because um, I'm not sure about in Malaysia, but in Singapore, credit card debt is 24% per annum, okay, which means that every month is roughly 2%. And the credit card tells you, credit card company tells you, minimally you must pay three percent, and that three percent is not arbitrary. So it's a, it's a number which is intentionally put there. Why? You pay the credit card company three percent, uh, 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 for your balance on that month. Two eh? percent goes to paying off your your interest because twenty four divided by twelve. One percent goes to pay off your principal. Means. As long as you meet your minimum 3% balance, your credit card total balance uh, will go down by 1% every month. And it's intentional because the credit card company wants you to hang on to that debt for the longest time possible. And so they say, I'm, I'm going to make sure this guy, if he pays minimum, it only goes down by 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%. So it will take you roughly about 100 months uh, for your for your debt to go down to zero because it's ninety nine percent ninety eight percent and so of course it's not a straight line down but what I'm trying to say is in order for you to make such payments and such you really need to create that positive balance so that's very important hey, but I want to before that I'm so sorry Hans to take your time I want to just go back to to the point you mentioned about um I think you mentioned about uh, uh bankruptcy or something I just want to ask a, ask a question in Malaysia can creditors uh, take possession of your EPF. No, they they cannot. They cannot, right? It's, it's not it's not your current asset technically, right? It's your future asset. Or or rather, you know, the creditors can't go to your e to go to the EPF and say that I want to seize this asset because in Singapore, for example, there are two assets which creditors cannot touch. No way, zero, zero. Don't even think about it. Number one is your HDB, and number two is your CPF. Okay, so so when we have a situation where where um, 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 individuals even think about, let's say for example, oh, I'm going to withdraw my CPF to pay off my creditors. I mean, this is some people may disagree with this way of thinking, but we, are, we I would say, why? When your creditors can't touch your CPF, why are you withdrawing your CPF if you could to pay them that money? This money is untouchable. By law, they cannot touch. You know? Oh, but then I will. Then they will make me a bankrupt. Well, you try and solve your problem, lah. If you, if you're, if you're, if you're smart enough, things that my creditors cannot touch, good. I'm not going to give it to them, because why? Because if I give it to them, I probably won't be able to pay everything I owe them, and then they still owe them money, and then now I don't even have anything in my retirement fund. I sell off my HDB, pay them, and I don't have place, don't have a place to stay. Right now, I'm safeguarded, you know. My home is there, they cannot touch. My EPF, CPF is there, they cannot touch. Oh, you're going to make me a bankrupt then? Too bad. Lah. I mean, if I really done everything already, I can't then, I'll just have to be a bankrupt, you know. But at the very least, I know that I have a home and I have a, 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 a pension. And I want to tell everybody, and again, I'm not encouraging people to become a bankrupt but I've, I know I, I, I advise, I'm, I'm the advisor here in Singapore to a, to a centre called a debt advisory centre okay um, it helps people deal with bank debts um, uh, along debts and even legal money legal legal, legal money lender debts and such so we give advice and, and we tell people if it reaches a point that you need to declare bankrupt don't be afraid 
you know, rather than you, you know what people, you know what people tend to do when 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 they reach that point of desperation that they need to pay their debts, even is is bank debt or or legal money lender or whatever. They will start to borrow from their friends, from their relatives. They'll start to sell jewelry that belongs to their wife and, and, and such and so on and so forth. And the debt never ever is repaid because of the high interest and such. And yet they are they are hollowing out all the people around them who have saved years and years of money. You're taking all that money from people, borrow, you lend me money, lah, I will pay you back. You take everything, you pay your creditors cannot finish paying your creditors and guess what your mother father brother sister or all their hard earned savings lost gone why 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 do that so you know being a bankrupt isn't i know it's a stigma but increasingly uh, here in many places it's just a situation whereby look today i don't have enough to even buy milk for my children i i earn $2000 $2000 goes to the bank Okay, when I'm a bankrupt, basically what happens is the courts, the makamah will say, tell me how much you need to survive. Tell me how much you need to ensure that there's food on the table for your family. If you can prove that you need $1,600 for your children's education, for putting milk on the table for your child and food and so on, Things yang we consider as necessity, uh, this is not additional luxury style necessity. The courts will say, keep you earn two thousand, you keep your one thousand six. Your four hundred dollars extra, you go and pay the banks. Okay, so the ten banks which were which were all dividing your original two thousand dollars and getting two hundred dollars each, now only have four hundred dollars where they divide. Can you imagine four hundred divided by twenty? So Han mentioned earlier, banks don't like people who become bankrupt. Because why? Because when people become bankrupt, the courts will protect them by setting aside what they need for necessity and only giving the banks what is above the necessity. And maybe in a few years' time, good conduct and such, they get discharged. You know. So again, I'm not encouraging people to, <laughs> to declare bankruptcy. I'm just saying, sometimes there is a way uh, of doing it um, rather than hollowing out other people hollowing out our EPF and CPF and such. Yeah. Again, it's not. I don't think it's a it's a common thing. Uh, or rather, it's a bit uh, controversial. But that's really how I think. No, actually, uh, uh, it really blew my mind again. So first time blew my mind. Now, now you blow my mind, Mister Sunny, about, about bankruptcy. Wow. So, uh, we 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 got we got a bit emotional there, lah. But but. You really drove your point across, and uh, we we have a a speaker up here who's going to ask questions. But before I head on over to the Q and A session, I just want to move over to Han. So a lot of points Mr. Sunny talked about right there about bankruptcy not being the end of the world and whatnot. And ultimately, Mr. Sunny, if anybody wants to take loan from you, right, personal loan, right, just recommend them Shopee. Uh. Shopee got personal loan right now, <laughs> hundred thousand, eighteen percent interest flat. If you if you if you cannot repay, you pay an additional eight percent. I charge you on a daily basis, so damn crazy lah. Anybody wanna 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 loan out to any friends? Go and recommend them. Use Shopee loans. <laughs> so Han, yes. Um, the final question: alternative measures that individuals can take to boost their savings and financial stability, and also maybe you wanna just dab a bit on the bankruptcy part, which uh, Mr. Sunny talked about. Sure, sure. I think uh, if I mean Mr. Sunny gave the the formula for success, right, which is the budgeting, the, all that stuff. Uh, perhaps 
uh, I'll share my take on it, which is it's hard to tell people to change their lives. People have to be willing to do it themselves, right? Uh, our job, I guess, as educators is to just show people how to do it rather than tell them to do it because it can seem very, I want the word to use, uh, patriarchal, yeah, that's the word to use, uh, to, to do that. Uh, but what I'll say is uh, it's very easy to suggest people pain-free ways to do it, right? So the one I suggested about restructuring your debt, it doesn't hurt your secrets, doesn't say hurt your CTOS. Just go to the bank and get a new product. They love you for it. Make sure the product is much lower interest than you have right now, right? So your credit card, 18%, push it into a, a, a different loan, which is half of that, right? Save the 9%. Outright savings, don't do anything different. Pain-free savings. Things like tax reliefs, if, if you are your taxpayer, don't, 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 don't lose out because every single person I speak to forget something on, right? And they lose out on hundreds, if not thousands of, of ringgit a year, uh, which is extra money in your pocket, pain-free. Just do a bit of work with, with tax reliefs, etc. Things like uh, choose the right credit card for you. Uh, we, we do that on Ringgit Plus a lot, which is we, we don't encourage people to get credit cards. But if you'd want to do it, get the right one. The difference between the right one and wrong one for you can be hundreds, if not thousands extra a year and you don't do anything different pain-free right you just choose a different card um, and once you've exhausted all the pain-free stuff right the easy to do low-hanging fruit make a few thousand ringgit hopefully that gets you over the line already on the way to financial freedom but even if, if it doesn't then you start looking at the painful stuff right cutting back increasing your income the stuff that actually takes a lot of uh, time and effort and pain right so that's how i, I look at it I do the pain-free stuff first if it's enough hey You've done a good job. If it's not enough, you need to go more. Then you've got to start doing the painful stuff. So that's what, uh, just my take on it. Mm. Yeah, sure. And anything to add about the bankruptcy? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the bankruptcy thing is really the last resort. Uh, Sunny uh, says, yes, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. But for me, it's last resort, right? The second last resort I really encourage people to do before bankruptcy is, let's say your bank doesn't want to talk to you. You are too far away from your you too far along your repayments not being met. Uh, there's another service in Malaysia called AKPK, right? Agency Counseling and Pengurusan Credit. Right? Their job is to take over the discussion with the banks and force the banks wrong word to use. I shouldn't say you would force persuade the banks to give you a better offer, right? And to consolidate all your your loans into one manageable loan, right? One manageable repayment for you based on discussions with you. Now this will impact your credit. It will impact your ability to get new loans, but maybe you shouldn't be getting new loans anyway, right? Uh, so uh, so the, the first thing you do is restructure privately with the bank, right? They'll be happy to do it because you, you're basically taking a new product, the salesperson gets to make some commission or whatever, meet his KPI. If that doesn't work, go to AKPK before declaring bankruptcy, right? AKPK is a service there for you to negotiate on your behalf, right? So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Now, Hansa, uh, Hansa, I want to ask you, sorry, AKPK, yeah. uh, who, are the, who are the shareholders? Uh? Do you? They're, they're, they're an agency uh, of Bandagara, actually. They, oh, okay. In, yeah, Singapore, yes. in Singapore, we have this uh, similar uh, credit, credit counseling Singapore, CCS, yeah. uh, which does the same exact thing. Um, guess who set, who set up, or who are the major shareholders in, in, in CCS? Um, all the major banks. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, you know, you, as you correctly mentioned earlier, the banks don't want people to go bankrupt because they just get peanuts when you go bankrupt. They rather you restructure, get into a term loan, pay fixed amount, you know, seven years kind of thing. So, so that was I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, but this one is a it's a quasi government governmental agency right, 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 right. Yeah. under Bankara. Yeah, so okay. that's kind of 
that's kind of it. So that's what I'll say, lah, in terms of uh, uh, what you can do, right? Uh, um, uh, right before declaring bankruptcy. Right? Yeah, fantastic points, Han. Thank you so much. So I would like to ask a favor from both of you guys. Lah. So Mr. Sunny, maybe you can write a thread about bankruptcy. It not being the worst thing, it not being the end of the world, okay? And uh, Han, maybe you can write about, you know, tips to boost savings and financial stability, points which you mentioned, uh, you know, get it restructured, AKPK, etc, etc. Yeah, I think that will be very interesting uh, for people to know. So yeah, uh, we are transitioning to our Q&A session right now. We have Ashraf over here. Sorry to keep you waiting, Ashraf, because uh, we are a bit grumpy here. Uh, we talk about a lot it's of okay, stuff. It's okay, it's <laughs> okay. Anyway, Floor is yours, bro. Go ahead. Ask your Sorry, uh, nothing much. Uh, hello. Before that, my name is Ashraf. I'm just uh, the ordinary, ordinary Malaysian citizen, and not so much uh, expert about financial. Uh, but I have uh, just two questions. Firstly, uh, just to get just to get your answers or arguments about when people say um, about KROSP or EPF. Uh, uh, why? Um, we we are struggling right now. Why we need to think about future? So, kita sekarang pun susah nak hidup. Why we need to think about future? That so, do you have that answer argument to counter that that arguments? That's first questions. Secondly, um, just to just I I wonder lah, is there any data that we can track where the money goes when they? Uh, take out their Kerospi or EPF uh, fund so that we know the where exactly the, the people spend the money. Uh, then from that, we can make an, an analyze from the data. Lah. So that's, that's my two questions. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ashraf. Um, Han, you want to take this first? I'll try my best. Ashraf, thanks for, for coming on to speak. Yeah, I can understand. It's hard for... Uh, non-finance person, I guess, to really get into it. Um, so, uh, the, 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 for Kumpulan Wang, Simpanan Pekerja, I think the, the, the real story here, right, is why now rather than later, kenapa sekarang bukan, uh, kenapa uh, uh, masa depan bukan sekarang. I think the main point about KWSP, right, if you think about it, is for the time when you can no longer work to earn a living. Why? Because you're too old, right? Everybody gets old. Everybody ages, we will be one day, and this is I mean, statistically accurate for most of us, one day old enough that we cannot work anymore. Right? We cannot even convert our time into money. We cannot convert our labor. Kita ta, sudah tak mampu, tak boleh buat kerja lagi. We need to prepare for that time. Right? Today, we can convert time into money. Right? The people that can. Yang tak boleh, hopefully they get government assistance. If you're okay, you, you, are, you are medically unwell. There's other ways to get assistance. But if you are a person who is living, you have time and some skills, right? you can convert that into money today. You cannot do that. You have zero choice when you are 65, 70. You have no physical capability to convert your time into money. Now, Sunny, the economist will say, yeah, that's capital and that's labor. Uh, and that, that's exactly the point of KWSP. So that's my biggest argument for why we need to be a bit disciplined, hold off, because there will be a time for most of us that will be alive, that we cannot work and we need these funds to fund us when we cannot work. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. And second question I think was, uh, right? where did the KWRC money go? Um, because we are not living in a CBDC world, uh, I think nobody knows for sure exactly, 
but we can guess. There are stat statistics we can use to guess where the money went, right? So if you look at this statistic from the Department of Statistics Malaysia, so Jabatan Statistic, you will see this uh, statistic called wholesale and retail trade. So if you Google it, Google it, uh, what is wholesale and retail trade, what you'll see is spikes in this number every single time there's EPF withdrawal. So you can kind of guess, okay, where's the money going? It's going into people spending. Beli apa, beli kereta, uh, beli bela, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, buying things, right? Uh, rather than paying off debt because we're not seeing household debt reduce. So that's the other statistic to look out for. Are we seeing household debt reduce significantly in Malaysia? Tidak. Are we seeing wholesale and retail trade, trade increase suddenly? April, May, June suddenly increased last year. Why? Because of EPF, KWSP withdrawal. So we can't tell for sure, but there are one or two statistics that come out that you can see. So the number one is wholesale retail trade. You can Google it. And number two, household debt to GDP in Malaysia. Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, very insightful answer. <laughs> Allow me to just pass your question to Mrs. Sunny also, give him an opportunity to talk. <laughs> yeah, okay. Mrs. Sunny, go ahead. Yeah, okay. I think the correct way, I mean, in my view, the correct way to approach it is what is the objective of EPF and CPF? Okay, so when we first started to contribute, you know, we all agreed that basically um, we this is a good way to actually save up for, for our retirement. In fact, I'm almost near my retirement, probably about 10 years, you know. And when I open up my CPF account, I'm kind of like, wow, you mean I've saved up so much? Uh? Well, luckily, I got CPF. If you ask me to save this myself, I probably would not have ever been able to save this uh, because, you know, um, I probably would have used it up. So I think a lot of us, many of us, would probably say the same thing. If not for the CPF, if not for the EPF, we it's highly unlikely that we would have been able to save whatever we have in our EPF or even CPF today. Okay, so the objective is correct. We I don't think anybody disagrees with it. Okay, the temptation to say that we are now in a bad situation, so therefore we need to withdraw from this particular pool of funds that we have accumulated. That in itself goes against the objective of this program called EPF. Okay. And it's a very dangerous thing to do because objectives have been set, like Han says, for particular reasons and for good reasons. And so when you have an easy way to get out of a current bad situation, you will actually use these things and you'll find that actually the long-term objectives are never met, ever, ever met because, hey, got problem? Don't worry. Go and ask my mother for money, my parents for money. I go and ask EPF for money. You know, I'm never ever going to solve my issues, my fundamental issues, because there's always this stopgap measures in place where I can draw down until it goes down to zero. At the end of the day, your situation never improves because your habits don't improve. Um, uh, your your efforts are half-hearted because you always know there's a, someone there to, to, to stop gap you. okay, And you basically just don't 
put in the 100% effort to, to do it. I know it, it will invite controversy when I say something like, oh, it's a very tough situation. Yeah, I know, unfortunately, it is. Okay, But the long-term objectives are correct. The long-term objectives, we all agree. You know, I mean, Ashraf and myself and, and there are many Muslim uh, uh, um, um, participants in this room. Let's say, for example, you start saving for your Hajj. It's a 20-year kind of, you know, Hajj is very far away because you join the queue and you're saving and you're saving and you're saving, okay? And if you start to every now and then, each tangan gatal, eh, my finances not very good. Take money from your Hajj savings. My finances not very good. Take, you know, you are never ever going to be able to save for that objective that you have actually put in place, which is to do your hajj. You will not have money for it. You know? so, so it disturbs something which is correct. It's true. It's, 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 we all agree. And it prevents us, I think, from, from, from putting in that, that effort and, and repairing things which are short-term in nature by using this thing which is long-term, which is totally... A, a, a disconnect. So, so I think uh, uh, Shinji asked me before, uh, shouldn't we use the asset EPF to pay off our debts? My view is no. You should be using your. You shouldn't be using your your assets. You should be using your 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 positive balances that you create. You put in effort to create that positive balance to pay off your debts, uh, so that you don't find yourself in a in a financial situation tight and such. You know, um, again. It's a very general statement. I know people are suffering and, 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 and so on. Um, and I don't disagree that during bad, bad times, um, you can use your EPF and, and the government is right to do it. Um, but not continuously, every time there's a little bit of a, a, a you know, the, the situation like this now, XPM is asking, I, I totally disagree. I think it's, 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 let's only use it in a real last resort emergency. Otherwise, don't, don't disturb the boat. It's, it's meant for something. Yeah, so I think, I think that's my view. Uh, you, don't, you don't touch it uh, because it has its purpose and its purpose is a good purpose. Otherwise, it would just... You, we, we, we never think long-term and that's our problem. You know? We always think short-term and, and, and therefore, we will always have issues because the long-term isn't that long. After a while, we will reach that long-term. Then what? Then we have new issues. After a while... You know, like for example, I just give you again, just to, to end off this particular question. If we don't start to prepare for, example, uh, uh, rising sea levels, climate change, and so if we don't think long term, because we say, ah, it's so far away, ah, let that be a problem. Guess what? You need to prepare for things, those things now. You need to start thinking, where do I build my sea walls? So that half half of Klang doesn't go underwater when the water rises and stuff. So 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 these are and you'll find certain countries do that, you know. They start thinking long term, they start allocating some money to to actually address these things because they have the foresight to say this is important. While I may not win a lot of uh, 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 fans of or, or likes or votes now today, but I'm securing the future of my generation in front of me. You know, so I think we have to think about in in that manner uh, in order to justify uh, not withdrawing the EPF. Yeah. Just add some. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> just add some uh, Sunny's uh, point. Uh, I I heard from financial advisor also uh, that the 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 points where why should we use our money, whereas we can push the government 
to improvise the policies to improvise the system so that yeah. can help the people rather than use our money well, uh, to guess, in- guess, increase guess, the wages. Uh-uh, okay. Guess guess where the government gets its money from? <laughs> uh, from the the people right here also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taxpayers taxpayers money. It's, it's, yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, it's actually from 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 Eric, from you guys. Mm, true, true, true. Yeah. It's it's not as though the government can just create money and it's all from from you guys. So square one. <laughs> oh, cycle back. Go, going back, going back to a three sixty, turning back to where we started. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ashraf, thank you so much for the uh, for the for the question over here. I have uh, another speaker no, to approve. No okay. Yeah. Hope you guys are enjoying the session so far. We will probably take one or two more questions. Uh, are the speakers all right? Can we take one or two more questions? Uh, yeah, you... I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. Sure, yeah. Sure. Right. All right. All right. So, uh, our next speaker up here is uh, wow, nice name, Lembu Gila. Yo, bro, how you doing? Um, any questions? Hi. Shoot. Hi. Thank you, dear Futurists, for organizing the <clears throat> the talks. I have one question uh, regarding the question brought up by Ashraf. Let's say the U.S. government do provide the <clears throat> uh what what so called the assistance to the people why can't malaysia do that also i mean like from the build back better plan the us have done it why can't malaysia why the malaysia government ask the people to fork out their own retirement saving this question is for sunny and also han maybe can yeah um han you want to take it first Sure, sure. I think um, uh, I'm not too familiar with Build Back Better, to be honest. Uh, but it, just going by what you said, uh, in terms of, hey, why are you forcing us to choose between now or later ourselves? Kenapa? Kedu, you know, buat pilihan tu, right? Uh, why use our own money? You should be helping the, the, the people who are struggling. I think they're trying their best. Uh, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll do two things, say two things. Number one, they're trying their best in several ways. We talked about the income tax cut for middle class. And we talk about Stumbangai uh, Tunai Rama just now, uh, about one hour ago. Uh, those are direct aid, right? So someone who's earning less than 5,000 ringgit uh, for their household will get some, uh, some money up to 2,500 ringgit uh, uh, this year, right? So that's kind of direct cash support. It is not 10,000, unfortunately, that they were allowed to take it from EPF, but 2,500 is not nothing. Um, and I think number two, the problem right now of government, and I hope they solve it in the next four years in this government, right, is data, right? They lack the insights. They lack the surgical precision to be able to assist people properly, right? They have to do very blanket things. Oh, uh, who earns less than 5,000 ringgit in a household, uh, uh, including people who maybe retire early and they don't need the money, but they get the money, right? Because Just because they are not earning. So I think one of the challenges, one of the upper... One of the restrictions, the challenges, the frictions that uh, stop the government from doing better to assist the people that need it the most is the lack of insight, lack of data. And I hope they, the, the, the new government seems to like data a lot. Hopefully, they, they will start to use data more, uh, more efficiently and with more precision. So I can help a household who earn a lot. One. So let's say 10,000 ringgit earning, but maybe they live in KL and they have, you know, uh, significant commitments due to other reasons, maybe illness in the family, that kind of thing. 
with that surgical position, you get a bit more because you are in more trouble. And then maybe somebody who's uh, earning 4,000 ringgit sitting in, uh, maybe in a supplement area, uh, uh, doesn't have many commitments, doesn't need the help so much. And he also feels bad to take it if, if he knows there's a family struggling in, in KLCT center, for example, urban poor. And they can be more pre precise about helping and then help more people more precisely. So that's kind of two things I'll say. Number one, we are doing this. Uh, I don't know if exactly the same as Build Back Better, but Sumbangan Tunai Rama is, is exactly what uh, uh, you said, which is cash transfer to the poor. Um, and for me, I hope they do better with better data. So that's kind of two answers. Mr. Sani, same question. Yeah, so, so the, it's a zero-sum game. Someone has to bear the burden. So when we say that the U.S., um, um, so what, what happens in the U.S. basically is this. Um, they have what we call defined benefits. Uh, if you retire, you, have, uh, uh, you are guaranteed a certain set of benefits. Okay? Um, and that's promised to you as a citizen and, and such. Um, the U.S. government then will have to pay for it. And because the amount of working population is shrinking, um, and the retirees now are getting bigger, uh, the tax collected to fund this pension liability is not enough. So when you don't have enough, what you do, you have to issue debt. And if you look at the US, it's debt is humongous at the government debt. So yes, it may sound like, why don't the government do it? The government can do it in Malaysia if it wants to. Then you must be prepared for a debt to GDP, which like the US has gone up to almost 100% of GDP. So that's the, you can't have your cake and eat it. Uh, there is a cost to it. And yeah. that's, why, that's, why the G, that's why I mentioned earlier, in the Western world, that's the problem they're facing. Um, less so in, in our side of the world where, where we have, um, uh, we fund our own pensions basically. Mm. Yeah. I mean, ultimately everything has, has its own cost. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're down to the last question for the night. Okay, this is, uh, I would say, a pretty interesting question. <clears throat> so it's uh, directly DM to us. Sorry. <clears throat> Hi, I am a fresh grad with salary 2,000 ringgit, aged 26. Should I voluntarily contribute to my EPF at this age? The thing is, I can't use it until I'm 55. Uh, what about other cash apps, let's say, uh, that there have been marketed quite a lot recently, like Touch and Go, Versa, KDI Safe, etc., etc., or any other places which I can uh, store my money in. So let's start with Han Versa. Han, fresh, fresh grad 2K, self-contribute to EPF, yay or nay? Wow, very difficult to give this kind of financial advice without knowing the exact situation. But let's just assume uh, a hypothetical person, not this actual person. Uh, somebody who is a fresh grad, maybe uh, you, you're, you're being very, very careful with your spending because you just finished studying, you live like a student hopefully, right? You're earning enough, you're able to save, you're thinking, hey, what should I do with my savings? Um, I think if you ask me, uh, you need to do uh, in this order uh, uh, before you think about self-contribution, right? Uh, number one, make sure you have an emergency fund. What that means is, you know, somewhere between three to six months of your, not your salary, three to six months of your salary or your spending, whichever you like, uh, that you can, if something bad happens to you, whether it's like can't work for a while, some accident, or, or maybe car repairs, whatever it may be, uh, just make sure you have spare cash such that you don't have to sell your investments at the wrong times. 
right? So spare cash. First thing to do, emergency funds. Second thing to do before thinking about uh, self-contribution uh, is uh, make sure you are uh, you have uh, sufficient insurance coverage, right? Uh, and I don't mean get an uh, insurance agent with a huge insurance plan, that kind of thing. I, I just mean basic coverage uh, for you in case something happens to you. Uh, it may not be death because if you don't have dependence, maybe if, you're, if you don't have dependence, if you die, uh, uh, no one depends on you anyway. But more like critical illness, more like accidents. If, if something bad happens, you can't work for a while, make sure you're well covered, right? And then third, then only consider uh, uh, EPF self-contributions. Uh, uh, or if you're worried about being tied up for too long, but you're thinking about investing uh, or putting your money to work, uh, um, uh, and you have you have a long-term horizon, I wouldn't consider so much these cash apps because ultimately cash is cash, right? You get 3-4% return, that's great. But long-term investing should drive far higher than that. I'm th you should be aiming at your age, lots of time before retirement, 6, 8, 9, 10% a year, uh, or over a long period of time, right? So I think, uh, again, it depends on your specific situation, but uh, hopefully that gives you a frame of reference to think about what to focus on first, right? Uh, and then you can consider uh, EPF contribution, self-contribution after that. Uh, um, particularly if you start earning more money, you can get some tax savings. Uh, it doesn't apply to you now because you're earning less than the taxable rate. Uh, but, you know, as you, as you earn more and you start getting taxed, then self-contribution above your, your the, the, uh, above what you're contributing now to reach the limit, yeah, that's a good, it's good, it's good avenue to think about. Wow, that's a fantastic answer. Let's move on to Mr. Sunny as well. Same question. Fresh grad, two K salary, age twenty six, voluntarily contribute to EPF, yay or nay? What's your opinion on cash outs? Well, I think uh, Han uh, has covered everything very, very well. Uh, if I'm a, I remember when I first came out. Um, I, my salary was only like thousand three. Um, uh, I had CPF contribution, but let's say if I if if I'm assuming um, the person asking the question is working, that's why he has some money. Is it? Uh, he's a fresh guy, but he has money uh, coming in. Correct. Um, Correct. Wouldn't there be automatic contribution already from his salary and and from 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 the the employer? So that in itself is already building up your EPF. Uh, personally, I wouldn't add on to it because I can understand it that at that at that uh, age, um, you would probably want to build up. As Han mentioned, your emergency fund. You probably want to prepare for you know, getting married. <laughs> uh, you need you need to save up because at the end of the day, you try and minimize whatever borrowing that you potentially could end up doing because you didn't save anything. Okay, so liquidity is quite important, and I think what Hans mentioned is absolutely what I would agree with. Um, you 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 would have to um, prepare some of these other things, and the insurance part. I tell you that is absolutely important. People always forget. I come out. I'm not married. I don't have any uh, beneficiaries. I don't have any dependents or stuff. Not beneficiary. I don't have any dependents. Don't worry. But we all forget, ah. Uh, when we step out from university or any college or any education or whatever, we start our work. It's that first time we start to earn our money. Because why? Because our parents have put us through with their sweat and blood all those years paying for our education and such. And we finally come out to work. Okay? Next day, you get involved in an accident. Next day, you are bedridden because you, 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 your, your, you know, your spine is broken and such. You know, our poor parents now after waiting for so long for us to, to come out to work, have to now look after us because 
we've come out and earned our own money and the next month, you know, we, 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 we become a burden to them. You already own your own money. Don't become a burden to them. Go and get yourself insured. Go and get yourself a healthcare plan, a term plan, whatever it is, because now you have your own money, you're responsible for your own situation. Don't, put, don't allow other people, especially your parents, to be responsible for you anymore. So do that. So a lot of people miss out on this and, and Hans brought it up and I think it's a very, very important thing which a lot of people miss out on. Yeah, I think that really wraps up the entire session for the night. It was an, ex an extremely interesting session and uh, it was, uh, I would say, a bit of an emotional roller coaster ride also uh, because about a quarter way of the session, Mrs. Sunny got a bit emotional and uh, can totally understand uh, when we're talking about EPA. <laughs> yeah, so he's talking, so, about, talking about debt. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, setting up this debt advisory center in Singapore was a very, uh, yeah, actually a very emotional uh, uh, situation. You, you, would, you would have people coming in, um, you know, in, in terrible situations like psycholo uh, psychologically and also financially. You know, we do surveys with every people who come in with debt. And one of the questions we asked, have you ever thought of doing something which you're not supposed to do? And almost everybody will say, I've thought of killing myself. And if you really have been in debt before, you know the situation, you know how it feels, you know, because the along is after you, the, the legal money lenders are after you, even the banks are after you. So what Hans has mentioned is probably something, things that we always do. We would actually say, oh, let's call the bank. And I have personally done it. I have taken a letter of authorization from a, a person. I said, let me call the bank. Okay. Uh, talk to the bank. Let's, re let's restructure. Bank will, your credit card debts are, are, are open debts meaning to say it's being rolled over every every month. So we say, can you change this to a term loan so that we know it's a fixed amount, the person has to pay for seven years, he doesn't have to worry about this debt extending to 10, 20 years. He knows that after seven years, if he keeps his discipline enough to pay off this, this, this amount every month, 300, 300, he's scot-free after seven years. It's a peace of mind for, for, for that person. You know? So, 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 so it is really something which a lot of people, and in this time and, and place that we live in today where debt is basically part and parcel, it's like, you know, during my late mother's time, she always told me, you know, um, don't borrow from anybody, you know. And true, that generation, uh, if you had bought things on, on credit, uh, being in, 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 indebted, uh, people would look at you differently, you know. It's like, uh, why you want to borrow money to buy things? Save up lah. You know, that was the 1960s, 1970s. Today, I still remember my brother uh, who went to buy his car, uh, uh, and it was a very small MyV and such. Uh, he actually paid cash, uh, uh, cash, I mean, wrote a check. And the salesman was like, almost fell off his seat. Like, oh, you don't have to take loan. Ah. And why are you not taking loan? Ah? And they start giving you that kind of look and stuff like that. And like, like, it's like you're like a weird guy because you're using uh, cash to pay because he's, He's diligently saved up to pay. So we live in a world today where debt is considered to be part and parcel of, of our lifestyle. Extremely dangerous, I tell you. Extremely dangerous. I've seen people in the worst situations uh, um, um, because of debt. So everybody really has to be very mindful of this thing because um, it is something which is, um, you know, you, you won't know. It's, it's, to me, it's like um, uh, a, a cancer where you continue with your lifestyle and such, and all of a sudden, eh, how come I got so much debt? Ah? How come uh, uh, I keep paying? How come I still got? Ah, then you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Debt is something that really can spiral out of control ah, once you 
to not manage your finances properly. Yeah, I think that really wraps up our entire session. Wow, it's almost two hours already. Thank you much. Thank you so much for the speakers for joining us, man. And just before we end this uh, fun session, I would, let, I would like to hand you guys four very quick questions. So you guys just got to answer good or bad. No in-between, uh, guys. So, so if you want to get in-between, maybe can, lah, but, but, but try, try, try to take a side, okay? So these very four simple questions. So let me just ask Han, and after that, I'll pass to Mrs. Sunny. Credit cards for young people. Han, good or bad? Good. Mr. Sunny, credit cards for young people. Good or bad? Can I just say... No, depends? no, no. Can I One say depends? Answer. Depends? Okay, that's your answer. Depends. So, so, yeah. so, you know. Yeah, Next. But if I, if I, can I elaborate a little bit why I say depends? Can, um, can. Yeah. If, if, you, if you are not disciplined enough, it will kill you, basically. Uh, you know, uh, I've seen, again, from the center I've discussed with you, every single person who has a credit card debt has 70,000 on average credit card debt. And some people ask me, how come can this, this fellow can spend up to 70,000? I tell you once, you, once you qualify here in Singapore for one credit card, you basically qualify for 10 credit cards because the minimum is you earn 2,005, you can have, you walk to, into each bank, each bank will throw their credit cards to you. And all of a sudden, you have credit limits which are like 10 times, add together 10 times or 20 times your, your, your salary. And every single thing is on credit until you just lose control. So if you don't know how to use it, you don't have the discipline, it will bring you down. If you have the discipline, it can be a positive thing. It's like money. You know, money is, everybody say money is the root of all evil, but actually no true, you know. Money can be the root of all goodness also. It's whether you allow the money to control you or you control the money. All right. So, next one. Um, placing emergency funds in fixed deposit. Han, good or bad? Uh, bad. There are better ways to do it. Okay. Mr. Sunny, good or bad? I would say probably other ways you can do it. And if you really want to put face deposit, put it very short term because you don't want to lose out when you it's an emergency fund when you need it, then you 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 take it out early, you will lose the uh, all right. interest. Yeah. All right, all right. Third one. Okay. We got we got we got two more to go. Taking out a loan to invest in the stock market. Huh, good or bad? Hmm. Depends on the loan and depends on the stock market. But people do it already. ASB financing is a good example. So I would say on balance, good. Okay. Mr. Sunny, taking out a loan to invest in stock market. Uh, I would have to say bad. <laughs> bad. Okay. All right. Never mind. Never mind. We won't let it's because just that everybody because... I know who takes out a loan always takes it out at the high of the market. That's <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> when everybody gets greedy and says, oh, okay, I need to leverage up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, have, we will discuss an entirely different session. <laughs> Prioritizing paying off high interest debt. Huh, good or bad? Must. Yeah, must. Good or bad. Is it yeah. any good or bad? Standard, standard uh, financial advice. Okay. Yeah. So I... Yeah, that, that really ends our session for tonight, guys. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the session. If you missed the earlier part, don't worry at all. This entire session is recorded. And if you want a more cleaner version where, 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 where you know, some parts, maybe Mr. Sunny doesn't elaborate too much, <laughs> <laughs> then um, you, you, you guys got to wait for the Spotify session. Yes, we are on Spotify as well. So head on over to our profile. 
Spotify link over there, somewhere in the link tree. So go and check it out. Uh, this is actually, I think, the fifth or sixth time Mrs. Sunny has been with us. The second time uh, Han has been with us more times to come. Like, yeah. And I hope, Han, Mrs. Sunny, you guys enjoy the session as well. Any last words from you guys? Maybe Mrs. Sunny first? Last words? No, no. To, uh, uh, I hope people take away some stuff. I think um, if you are still in the room, um, some stuff that we talk about that um, um, financial planning, so if it interests you, then let 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 Sinji know, let the futurist know, um, so that he 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 can actually set up other spaces which 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 relate to these things because we may not have touched on it, uh, um, in in huge um, in depth basically. Uh, so let him know. Uh, we'll be more than happy to share more in-depth kind of um, uh, experiences. Yeah, Han, over to you. Yeah, I think um, two two sessions, right? The first session, we talked about the budget, right? Um, you know, 2% tax reduction means everyone except uh, the most rich or high-income people pay more tax. So if you're un under 20,000, you're better off a month. If you're over 20,000, you're worse off a month. So 1%, top 1% get hit. Overall, the budget, not quite enough though. A lot of gaps, but good direction, still a lot of gaps. In terms of EPF, I think, you know, our we're not telling people what to do. We're begging, you know, as financial advisors saying, hey, look, uh, you know, don't, don't do it if you can, right? Don't take it out. Don't beg, don't force the government to do something really bad for all of us in 20 years' time. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, empower yourselves to, uh, uh, number one, Demand the government for better solutions than this, right? We're demanding the wrong thing. We should demand them for better solutions. Um, and number two, uh, um, take control of your own life. It might get, it might be tough now. Uh, it's been tough for us all in different ways. It might be still tough for some of y'all. But you know, if we can get through a, a global pandemic, we can get through a lot more than that. So thanks for listening. Uh, it's been two hours. So thanks so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. And speaking of empowering, right? If you want to empower yourself, make sure you follow these two extremely talented speakers. So right now, just takes two seconds, okay? Click on each of their own profiles. Just tap that follow button because whatever they post, right? Yeah, it's definitely something which you want to read. And while you're at it, you can consider following us as well. Okay, the futurist. Okay, so I'll see you guys soon. Next time, probably next month, we do a session once a month and... Uh, I'll have these guys here again if you guys like it. Okay, guys. See, hear from you guys soon. Bye. Bye, Han. Bye, Mr. Sunny. Thanks. Goodbye.